Hello, In30 listeners. This is episode 124, and today we're going to discuss CES 2014. But before that, we have to get to a, a recap from last episode, and this is a surprise for everyone but me. Paul of paulandshapiro.com. Hi. Hey. How much Duolingo have you done in, in the last week? I missed one day. Okay. But, uh, at least ten consecutive days. Ten? Okay. Can you say that in German, though? No. All right. That's... I, okay. I, that's, Nine. <laughs> okay. There we go. Heim, how much work have you done on the, on the podcast network? Um, not much. All right. And I but, have... Uh-huh. I, I, I went forward, and then I went strongly backward. So on my separating my email chiefly into separate boxes that I check, check separately. I'm a little upset. Can you tell why I may be a little upset? I look a little different. I see no beard, certainly. No. I see a hoodie. I am wearing oh, wait, a, what, did you break your Google Glass, time? No, my Google Glass is currently in shipment to get version 2. Okay. I am glassless. Paul, is this Oof. the most pathetic, disgusting first world problem you've ever seen in your life, or, or no? Before we get into yeah. into the show, speaking of glasses, Paul, it looks like you're wearing new. Are those are those? Those has to be Warby Parkers. I don't know. No, no, single glasses. Okay, nothing. All right. Nothing. All right. So after that exciting recap, it makes it makes sense to get right into CES 2014. And if there's one word to describe what CES 2014 is about, Paul, what do you say it is this year? Consumer electronics and wearable technology. Okay, so is wearables the one word then? I, I think so. And Heimtime, what do you think it is? It's not a word, but it's 4K. I, I see, that's what I thought you were going to say, and I'm going to go with Paul. I think it's wearables. Okay, so w- let, let, let's let's start with 4K because I think we can kind of slice that out of the way pretty darn quickly. Heim, how much how much do you care about 4K? Or, I mean, I know you care about your 401k a lot, but 4k, huh? I, I actually don't qualify for a 401k because I'm a public employee. I have a 403b. Uh, but on that <laughs> note, <clears throat> I don't, I, I don't know by the nerd definition if 4k means uh, retina display by like all <laughs> colloquialisms there. But look, I would love a 4k monitor. I would love a 4k TV. I. I don't want to spend Vizio's $1,000. I don't want to spend Dell's $695. I don't know how I'm going to power it, and I don't know what content other than 13 episodes of House of Cards I'm going to use with it. So, Paul, what the hell is Heim talking about when he says he would love a 4K monitor when all he could do is, is look at Kevin Spacey's uh, newest toupee in, in extreme high definition on it? I mean, there, there, there's not too much content that's coming in 4K. Um, I know a lot of, I think some of the newer Blu-ray discs are in 4K. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I don't know. I, I think we expect to see more and more content coming out in 4K resolution. Well, the point is, the point is, right now you have uh, you have 13 episodes of one TV show that's available for download. So to do that, you need the specific, not just any 4K TV, you need the specific either Samsung or LG. You need Netflix, the, you need to be in a market that allows uh, the super HD Netflix that, that 
uh, bandwidth capacity, then you need the bandwidth capacity, and all of this just to watch, like I said, uh, seven hours of content. No, House of Cards is an hour, thirteen well, hours. Right, right, right now, this this is this is them initiating the beginning of 4K. This is the beginning of mainstream 4K. This is just heralding 4K and what it's going to be. Well, so start with net like one season of Netflix now. And you'll start to see if more and more content's gonna come out. I have a feeling. Look, I, I knew I didn't think 3D had a chance. Vizio, uh, Vizio said 3D is dead this year with them, but I have a feeling. <clears throat> like HD picked up really fast. This will pick up fast if the cable companies can find a way to compress it in such a way that makes sense. So. Everyone is, of course, talking about video content for 4K, and I saw that $700 28-inch Dell monitor, and I'm much more interested in it from a desktop computing perspective because I would like, if it's possible, if, if OS X has a logic for it or even Ubuntu or something, to, I'll stick closer to my monitor, I suppose, but to essentially take my multiple desktop setups and maybe put it on one monitor. Well, um, you want me to burst your bubble? Go ahead, Han. Tell me what what I can't you have to listen to. Uh, not the current streaming episode of ATP, but last week's episode of ATP, where Marco Arment and John Syracuse explain that you cannot the Mac Pro in any iteration, the ten thousand dollar version with Thunderbolt two, cannot power a twenty seven inch four K monitor because. Uh, the the bandwidth required is more than a Thunderbolt 2 port. Wait, I thought ours hooked up something. I, I mean, they certainly hooked up tons of lesser resolution monitors to it. But well, 4K is four times a 1080p monitor. In I mean, it's four times the amount of pixels. You the bandwidth required is not big enough. You almost would have to do two Thunderbolt 2 ports to push it. Okay, so so. To be clear, then the 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 Mac Pro, even the cheapest one at three grand, is capable of of letting people edit 4K video and displaying uh, a condensed version of it. But I, I thought Thunderbolt 2 could handle 4K, and and I, I I mean I don't I don't listen to I don't even know what ATP stands for. People should be listening to N30, I suppose. But I why is Dell selling this thing on a de selling this in a desktop monitor then? Probably with DisplayPort too. Well, like this, I don't know the bandwidth, the bandwidth bus sizes, but Thunderbolt 2 is something like 20 gigabits, and uh, for that 4K description, 27-inch type thing is is what's it called? 30 gigabits. Where is Mike D'Agusta? Is he listening live? Can you save me a Wikipedia well, look, search? Look, I'm Mike? not. Look, we don't. I, when when John Syracuse says something, I I tend to really believe it. So then, when they were discussing the Sharp. Sharp released a 4K monitor, and they're trying to claim how is that working? How are they able to to push those? And it, and it almost sounds like there's some black magic voodoo going on. But the point is, <clears throat> the point is to do all this, you need to you need to have the bandwidth bus size, and Thunderbolt 2 may be able to do it, but I don't know how you're going to do it. I guess HDMI 1.4, that spec will be able to handle it. Okay, so a, a lot of Best Buy employees over the course of 2012, 2013 were trained to, to beat people over the heads with 3D uh, HDTV buzzwords and sell them on it. Is this, is this the natural evolution of the technology, but it, it really means more 
from a sales perspective than from a performance perspective. I mean, are people it's for Super? So okay, not for, for so for this current Super Bowl, there's not going to be it's not going to be broadcast into in 4K, right? Nowhere on Fox, it's not 4K, right? No, I don't even. It's not even 1080p. It's 1080i. Okay, so so for 2015, if the 2015 Super Bowl is in 4K, is it the type of thing that people will just like invite people over to their their house? They'll notice it's like there's something about it that looks better than than last year's broadcast and be done with it. Or Paul, do you think that this that a show like House of Cards, you, watching it in 4K, you get something out of it, it that you don't get from a lower resolution? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I. I barely watch television in HD as it is, honestly. Um, but I also don't think that 4K is about TV, per se. It's, I think it's more about other content means, whether that's uh, you know, streaming or you know, Blu-ray content. Okay, so you're... And, and Haim or Paul, do you, do you think that when I talk about desktop computing at a 4K resolution using pixel doubling for a portion of the operating system and perhaps the native resolution for another portion and OS X, like, you know, the, the logic to, to double the font size where it's appropriate. Does anyone care about the, the desktop computing environment besides me anymore? Well, no. I, I uh, with, my, with my Sony A7, I'm doing my, the video I can do, I can pull 4K stills. Like, okay. if I want to edit, I mean... I much rather edit on my 24-inch monitor, and I much rather now, when I get a new computer, I'm hoping for an iMac refresh to get dual 27s. Okay, okay. So let's and off the top of your head, any particular products that wear the 4K badge particularly well? There's that new monitor from Dell, which is an ultra sharp, and apparently they're going back to their roots a little bit, um, and they're allowing it, it, the the stand comes with rotation, which I think is cool, and I, I, one of the reasons I, I've held on to my ultra sharp monitors. Any other uh, Mon uh, models in particular that stand out from a display uh, perspective from CES? I didn't I see anything. Oh, well, we have the curved glass from Samsung. Okay. And we then, have ridiculous sizes. Before we, we will go into wearables next, and then we'll end the show with the other category, which seems to be really big at CES this year, kind of like nifty uh, connected well, we gadgets. we still have to talk home. about... Uh, we still have to talk about uh, AT and T and T Mobile fighting. Right, well, that, that's okay. That's that's that's. Uh, I mean, I barely can consider that a consumer electronics announcement. But what in the mobile space has this already been done? Does four has a ret, has the Retina display made four K? Is is the Retina display the the mobile version of four K? Kind of. It's it's just we're talking about enough pixels where you're never gonna you're not you're, the human eye is not gonna see a pixel. On a TV or or on a, on well, a mobile. Well, well, Retina was defined as uh, from the iPad to the iPad three or the iPad two to the iPad three as quad. So every pixel was divided into four, which I think that's where they got the name Retina or 4K, whatever it is. No, it's Retina is Retina is the idea that at the the distance that's most comfortable for viewing the content or the device, whatever the device's screen, you the the, the naked eye cannot make out the pixels. It looks like a printed magazine. So what I find funny is as they were talking about 4K, uh, I was hearing things about 8K. All right. So it's it's uh, so pixels. So pixels are in. So we're gonna get to the point where there's not gonna be pixels anymore. It's just gonna be one smoothing effect to the point that it's gonna be which number is bigger you get, you rather gotta, than. 
you got to read a little science in addition to the consumer electronics stuff. The, the human eye does have not have a max resolution that we can perceive the the, the natural world at. Anyway, let, let, we're don't we can put a, a stop to the 4K talk. Time, where are we on time? 918. Uh, we're about a little less than halfway. Okay. So so Paul, you said the the word of CES was wearables. We all have our Fitbits on. What what do you see in CES this year that that stands out from the wearables last year? And, and why this year? Uh, why is this year the year of the wearables? Uh, it seemed like everyone was introducing some wearable or alluding to the release of some sort of wearable technology. Um, you know, I was a little bit surprised it wasn't as advanced of a wearables that were being released as I thought. With more um, Fitbits, um, more you know fitness trackers, and you know quantified self-type products than Google Glasses, you know. So you were saying you're saying that you saw a, a lot of a lot of wrist-worn stuff, and that it it seems like Fitbits were multiplying rather than evolving. Right. And so there, there was one one device that was uh was uh, meant to like you know you know measure the UV rays of the sun, hmm. and then uh, you know it syncs with an app, and I was like, oh, I'm unimpressed. I saw a Kickstarter like last year for a similar type thing, except it costs like six bucks. <laughs> it's, it's completely uh, chemical based. Interesting. So it's like someone uh, went out of their way to make it more complicated than it had to be. So Heim, do you, Heim, do you see the wearables as being about that that even Intel and Qualcomm and certainly Samsung and now the, the Pebble Steel, I think it's called, was released at two hundred fifty dollars. Is this people gearing up to compete with the the often mentioned, never seen iWatch? Is that part of what's going on here? Is that why we're seeing a lot of wrist based stuff, Heim? I think that that there's something to be said about getting personal data quick or getting data quickly. Phones are getting bigger, and I mean HTC. I don't know how how true this is. They had like this mini HTC. So you had this gigantic phone, like Note 3, and then you had this little like Bluetooth headset. So people clearly want something that's on them at all times and that will give them information. So whether it's a smartwatch, whether it's a Google Glass, whether it's a Fitbit or the the LG's version of the Fitbit or Samsung's version of the Fitbit, I think there's something to be said there. The problem is, is that I mean, you can hear us, Harry and I go back about this ages ago, about how we like different styles of watches and not just one. I don't know what you do with all this. Okay, but I, this is, this is sorry, but I'll get this and then, you know, there's, there's one, I will predict this, that the reason we see so much stuff on the wrist is because ultimately the quick glances of glancing at information thing, the wrist will win that and Google Glass style stuff will fade out. Paul? I think it was interesting also to note, I, I think there were several uh, announcements of wearables that were, you know, focused at, you know, the, the fashion end of things. There was, um, I, I can't remember who made it, but there was a, like, a, a Fitbit-like device that was um, being made. It might have been Fitbit, actually, by some fashion designer. I think it was Corey Birch. I don't know if he's saying that right. Um, there's just a lot of people that are trying to make it look, wearables look a little bit better. I see. So it was a was it a shell for the Fitbit? Um, the what is it? Now I forget the previous iteration's name. The Flex. It, it made a the Flex, the Ultra, and the One. And the, and the Zip. 
Well, I was going to say, you only have two wrists. So I want to wear a watch, so I have to put that in my left hand. My Fitbit goes on my oh, right yeah. hand. But even people, kids don't even want to wear watches. So I don't know what they're going to be, why they need, like, a wearable thing. I don't know where they're going to, quote, unquote, wear it. And I don't know if you noticed, Fitbit released their uh, their updated version of the iOS app, so you don't even need a Fitbit. I Yes, so I, I saw that, and I... I always wondered why that wasn't built in and I I was when I saw it I thought that they may have really gotten smart and were going to use this is a little departure from CS but yeah so the the, the new version of the Fitbit app uses the M5 processor or to 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 determine your your steps kind of like a Fitbit itself does I thought they were going to get really clever and make it so that if you accidentally didn't wear the Fitbit but you carried your phone around or something it would fill in the gaps but it's one or the other but yeah it the, the trend is for wearables, certainly. At least people are making wearables. But is that because phones are getting too big? I mean, Paul's and my phones aren't getting any bigger. We, ha we have... You Look, know. I want an even bigger phone. I want the biggest phone I can possibly fit in my pocket. <sighs> okay. I, I think you're devaluing your, your smartphone by making it too big. Because then you don't want to carry it on you all the time. Well, I know. I do. That's the thing. I want it... I. I would like another like half inch around because it will fit in my pocket and it won't be obtrusive because oh, it will be obtrusive. I mean it will. Maybe well, not for to me you. it's not. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So well, look, it's it's I think wearables are a thing. I, I think they're here to stay in some capacity, whether I don't think it's gonna necessarily be in the Google Glass iteration. I agree with that. I think that there may be something something like on glasses closer to the ear or something like that or some sort of wrist display i uh like like a watch so something would, would be there i would like it if my wrist my my fitbit which i do use as a silent alarm in the morning would get the high and low weather forecast and stick it in there as as one of the things that shows that i mean I, that i would appreciate and frankly it's it's it is a better experience to get that type of information in a way that's separate from the smartphone somehow, which is I use primarily for communication, right? certainly. Um, but anyway, so there, there's tons of wearable stuff, and we can we can extrapolate from this and, and the, like the UV thing that you mentioned, Paul. That part of what the the trend that we're seeing is measurement, and part of it is control, digital measurement of stuff and digital control of stuff. So that's where we have the Nest, and certainly for the first time we have the first MiFi. M5 certified um, air conditioner, which is, which is the made for iPhone uh, certification that Apple does. So it, natively, it gets onto your Wi-Fi and you can control it through an, an app on your phone. So we'll see more and more appliances doing that. And at the same time, we're going to have digital devices giving us more and more data. So, so Heim, are you ready to tell us any any of the weird, any of the oddities that you saw at CES this year that you found interesting? Well, one more thing is uh, more type of not necessarily wearable, but internet automated type devices. So I've, I was seeing a lot of home automation where you had the stupid crock pot from Belkin, so you can control mm -hmm. it with the Wemo. Uh, you had Ice, Iris, which is the Lowe's product that allows you to do things with the deadbolts, that, the Bluetooth deadbolts that we talked about from Quickset. And then we had the Open Automobile Alliance with Google to... Uh, to allow you to do, Google is getting into the car business with with Chevy and Audi, and I want to say BMW, but I'm not sure where they're going to. Yeah, it's going to be the opposite of the Apple ones, I'm sure. 
and they're going to be I, look I don't know I don't know what they planned with it but you're having and then GM is going to have 4G built into their cars for whatever reason okay so because they they must know that there's a market to be served there to, by their car buyers for people that don't have a data plan or something Okay, so but let, let's get into the specific devices. Unless Heim, you're you're insisting you want to you 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 think that the CEO of T-Mobile showing up at the Macklemore hosted event uh, by AT&T is, is big news at CES because Conan wasn't hosting this year. This is what we have to talk about. Heim, time you there? I broke. I'm frozen when I asked him that question. So I, obviously the answer is that it's not altogether that important. But, Paul, did you see any of the cool uh, – I mean, the, it seems like there were a lot of updates to niche products this year that are, that are, that are as, as niche as ever but becoming more widely known. So, like, the Parrot AR, that company released um, a handful of new toys. The, the prices, though, seem to stay at about $200 or $300, being, to me, a little bit too expensive to, to just, like, have around the office. But did you see anything that, that caught your eye in that vein? No, I didn't. The three hundred dollar no, USB thing. Did you talk about the hard drive, the silver no, one? No, we're talking about toys now. The, the, no. Heim is back with us, listeners. But Paul, I really like the Yahoo announcements. The uh, software announcements? Yeah, I think I think they're interesting. Um, All right, let's then. Then it's okay. So one of the summations then we can do for CES 2014: 4K wearables and weird. Connected devices. I mean, that that serve a litany of purpose. From this is supposedly from from translating what your dog's barks mean or something, a voice collar, to being controlled that toys that you control, uh, drones that you control with your iPhone, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That type of stuff is what CES is about, and I think it's a place for vaporware to begin its its let's just say its condensation, so to speak, uh, to see if people are interested. In it. Okay, so from here we can put a stop to that. Let's go into the software. What, what's up with Yahoo? Well, they they released um, was it Yahoo News something another Yahoo uh, News Digest. So that that was from their acquisition of Sunlight, and it's this app that you know gives you a summarized news at you know, in the AM and the PM. And it's it's it's, it's interesting. And as they released that, they also released. Uh, Yahoo.com slash tech. So they're they're trying to make more of a you know a, a media play again. So did you catch okay. that? It, it's a it's a nice format if you want to read tech news. So 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 do you think that let's start with with the digest thing. So it, it's kind of like a flipboard meets feedly thing, but it has this editorial end of it where it's it reminds you it, it's going back to the the morning and evening paper kind of of idea. So. The question, I mean, it's, it sounds good, and it seems like the interface is is, is really, really slick. They spend a lot of time on that. Um, why choose CES in this time to announce? Is this is this not a strategic thing? Is this a timing thing that they've got it finished? They wanted to push it out, or or why does this fit in with the the in the midst of everything else? Hmm. You know, it, it's a it's a little interesting. I I think. Yahoo's just you know really trying to make a comeback, and it was more of a timing thing, wasn't it? Um, they also they, they announced that their the acquisition of Aviate, which is one of is what I'm probably most excited about. It's very interesting. It's sort of in the vein of like a Google Now. It's it's a 
a context. I have um, Aviate invites if anybody wants. Send them around, time. Paul and I want them. Well, you don't have Android devices. Androids, yeah. I have blue. I have I have a Nexus Seven and I have Blue Stack. So you are you using Aviate, Heim? I I had I got Aviate the, the hour it was launched. It's Paul's right. It's like a Google uh, Now replacement for your home screen. So depending on the time, it knows where you are, whether you're at work, and it changes your profiles to have the little. <laughs> To have the apps that you use at those times based either on you put them there as important or just usage. So if it knows that you open your maps at 3 p.m. to go home, between 2 and 4, it'll pop up the maps in a big icon, your maps, ways, whatever else. Uh, I stopped using it about a day later because there was a very bad security bug, which which if you know the person's UDID, which was easily found out on the website, you can pinpoint their location and something and get their data or send them a message. So I stopped using it. But for the day, the, the day that I had it, it was pretty good. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm, I haven't actually used it, but just from what I know about it, I would conjecture that this is probably the most important acquisition that Yahoo has made in like the last five to ten years. Interesting, because you think you don't get them back. This is this, this, is, this is where this is where Google's wants to go. They want to, you know, beef up Google now in that sort of context, uh, contextually aware environment. And here's Yahoo making a very very interesting play in that area. So, so you couple that with Yahoo.com/tech, and it does it. Do you get the sense then, in the fact that they're doing this around C, they're doing this CES time, that they think they win the hearts and minds of regular users by appealing to techies first? Is maybe that the strategy that's at work that they're going to... I think it's a distraction from all the, the stuff that's going around. You have all the products and everything. You have connected TVs, connected wearables, connected this, and Yahoo's trying to, trying to become the hub of it. Uh, basically, the way Facebook got on every platform, they're trying to get on every platform without having a platform. Okay, so that okay, I think there's something to be said for that. And is it possible then that in the you're, are you saying that in the midst of all this stuff that you can only read about, at least they're announcing something you can download and play with? Sort of. They have it now. Now, which is more important, Google Now, where you have the information, versus Aviate, which is a launcher for Google, for for Android, where you have the ability to get the information you may want faster. I mean, it's it. it I mean, that's basically what they're fighting for. You have the ability to say, hey, wait, I'm on my afternoon commute. Why do I have to look for maps? I want maps right on the home screen. Oh, I'm home. I'm in front of the TV. When I'm in front of the TV, I do Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Google+. Well, those are going to be predominantly displayed. I'm at work. I use email, this, this, and that. So that's going to be there. So it's not. it doesn't have the creepiness factor because you, you more personalize it, but you have to get the information yourself. Okay. So at least okay, so at least Yahoo got us talking about them and the, the, the digest app and and whatever Aviate amounts to are certainly interesting um, going forward for Yahoo. Where are we at time wise time? We have three minutes. Okay. So CES this year, it seems like I, I the thing that I that I've missed because I, I I've read and I'm sure you can hear this on tons of other podcasts. Uh, about all the the weird products. The thing that I haven't seen, and I'd like you two to tell me about if possible, I'm always interested in how the regular media, how the mainstream media covers CES and what they pick out as being 
the the crown jewel of CES and whether or not it's a it's a it's whose PR department does the, the nicest job or or it, how 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 CES is skewed in, in the minds of the the non tech uh, journalism reading public. Well. I remember during the Apple announcement that I was—I couldn't watch it live. I could only listen to it from CNN, and they were speculating on stuff that we wouldn't even care about. So I have a feeling they listen. They get the biggest. They take the press day events. They take the press releases, and they go down the list and say it's CES. We have 30 seconds to talk about it. We have we have things that you wear on your wrist that do that track your steps, and we have. Bigger TVs and everything. They they over they overview it and hope that you in in return you go to their website to maybe get more in depth analysis. Paul, what does Wolf Blitzer have to say about CES? Can you tell me and save me the trip to CNN.com? Yeah, I, I no, I, I think it's whatever sounds most interesting on uh, on paper, not necessarily what is the most interesting. It's okay. probably what's hashtag the most. I mean, to be honest with you, at this point. Okay, so and and we will do our best for for the next show to have some on the ground CES reporting for you, so you can get all get all of the excitement of going to CES while listening at one point five times speed on your on your commute uh, the day after. All right, this has been episode one hundred and twenty four of In Thirty coming CES two thousand fourteen. Thanks for listening. Bye guys. Adios. <laughs>